Good morning, everyone. Duff Mitchell of Bay Post 25 and Fred Thorstenson joins us today also of The Post, right? Also, yes. Okay. So you've come down today to talk to us about a special dinner uh, later this week on National Guard Day. First things first, when did it start? When did National Guard Day start? Well, National Guard Day started uh, with a proclamation from uh, then-Governor Sean Parnell uh, 11 years ago, and uh, he officially made it uh, July 30th of, of the every year, uh, Alaska National Guard Day. And, uh, yeah, we've been celebrating it ever since. Juno kind of took that and said, hey, you know, we've had a lot of veterans that served in the Guard that especially at that time had just come back from uh, tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. And uh, we said, hey, what a great way of just having a thank you for your service event. Um, and it's kind of grown. It started out uh, with a one uh, hut over there at Sandy Beach and kind of sprung from there and uh, been very supportive by the business uh, community over the years to, you know, tell folks, hey, we really appreciate you, you know, serving uh, your country and, and, and state. And, uh, you know, it's a nice, nice thank you for your service dinner. And so it has grown from there uh, quite a bit. Um, it would be the 11th annual. We call it the 11th annual. We really cut it out for two years due to COVID. And then mm-hmm. we voted this year that, okay, we think we're going to be safe enough. Uh, you know, we're still going to have masks and uh, hand sanitizer and stuff for folks to come out there. But, uh, you know, it's been growing every year. Uh, it's a great way of uh, veterans to uh, uh, see each other that may not see each other, you know, f- f- all year long. Um We've had uh, some elected officials go down there and they help serve the food to the veterans and in the line. And it's a good way of our community really thanking our veterans uh, for their service. We're kind of like a, an unseen minority in town, you know, but we're your friends and your neighbors. There's really, if you look at the last census, it's like 2,200 veterans in Juneau. But when you add their wives and their family members, when somebody goes overseas and serves their country, it's not just the individual, it's that entire family that serves. That's a long time, whether you're out for a year of active duty or whether you're six months preparing for it, you know, it could be a year and a half that you're away from your family. And so, you know, we really encourage, you know, families to also be invited here because that spouse or that daughter, or that son, they served with their, uh, you know, with their, uh, uh, their parent. Uh, or their significant other, uh, you know, during that period of time. And so highlight the importance of honoring those who served. Well, you know, there's been different times in our history of how veterans have been slapped on the back or thanked. Um, some of our uh, Vietnam brothers uh, weren't always given a cordial welcome when they returned, and people didn't want to hear about it. And, you know, uh, we try and our community has been very good at really thanking our veterans and this is just a way of you know it's a small token thank you for your service um you know no matter what your walk in life is you served your country you know this is a good way for our juno businesses to say hey you know good job thanks really appreciate it and 
who's all involved in this in the dinner i know it's ak bay post but who's all coming together for it well we get a lot of support from our uh, brothers from the uh, southeast native vets they attend and, and we also have the vfw vfw post it's just that we've kind of taken the leadership of the event uh the american legion post 20 ak bay post 25 uh and it's um, a lot of volunteers you know, we have uh, a lot of post volunteers. We have other volunteers that show up that day to help cook or do some grilling. Um, you know, we've had people show up and say, hey, I'm not a vet, but, but you know, I'm just here because my dad is. And they've helped out. So it's an eclectic group of volunteers that just put this on. We could not do it, though, without the, the money and the sponsorship from these great businesses in Juneau that, you know, support veterans' activities. And... With it being on National Guard Day, I was hoping we could talk a little bit about the history of the Guard and here in the state. Uh, when did it start? Well, let's uh, let's go back to the uh, purchase of Alaska back in uh, 1867 and just kind of look at a little bit of the, uh, the history. And this is just kind of a very uh, uh, brief uh, synopsis of it. But after the purchase of Alaska, it was... Uh, uh, governed by the Army uh, and then the Department of Treasury and the Navy uh, up until 1884 uh, when the Organic Act was passed. And at that point in time, they started uh, uh, putting uh, civilian um, uh, executives into their uh, government structure. Um, there was no actual uh, military uh, force in Alaska for a long time. Uh, in 1898, the governor had to request the Army to send people to Skagway because they were having some problems with uh, gambling and loose women and other things going on up in Skagway during the, the gold rush. So uh, they uh, actually deployed uh, units of the active Army to Skagway and Haines to, uh, to deal with uh, problems with the gold rush and law enforcement. The... Uh, uh, the state continued to ask for uh, its own uh, National Guard and Reserve Force. Well, at, it, that, at that time, we were a territory, right? Or, yeah, the territory. Excuse me. Yeah. Just, yeah, we were, ter- thinking, we were a territory until 59. Because who, who could have the governor called on? You know? <laughs> Nobody. <Yeah>. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, in 1939, the first uh, National Guard unit uh, was formed in the state or in the territory of Alaska. Uh, and that was the uh, 297th Infantry and had one company in Juneau, one in Ketchikan, one in Fairbanks, and one in Anchorage. Uh, that unit was activated in 1941 to serve in World War II. The, uh, the units from Anchorage and Fairbanks uh, went to Anchorage to uh, train to be deployed. The uh, Ketchikan and Juneau units went to Fort Chilkoot up in Haines and trained there. The uh, unit never uh, was deployed uh, together. It was broken up with uh, some of the soldiers going to serve in the Aleutian campaign. Uh, Some were served uh, on building the Alcan Highway and uh, others actually were deployed to Europe. Um, That unit was redesignated as the 208th Infantry in uh, 1944 and deactivated in 1945 at the end of World War II. The one that went to Europe? The entire unit. Oh, the entire unit. Yeah, that was uh, brought back together and deactivated. Mm. 
So then there was no Territorial Guard until 1949. In 1949, uh, they formed uh, two scout battalions in uh, Nome and Bethel. And then in 1950, they formed uh, two more uh, traditional battalions, uh, one in Anchorage and one in headquartered in Juneau. In Juneau, it was uh, they uh, they retained the the flag of the previous unit. They were designated as 208th Infantry. Um, over time, the uh, the organizational structure of the guard has changed, kind of to meet the uh, the national and state requirements. Um, in the uh, 60s and 70s, the focus was a lot on uh, the Cold War. And uh, so the, uh, uh, the units were structured to, uh, um, to uh, combat that type of a situation. Uh, a lot of our missions were uh, state uh, defense sites like the uh, pipeline pump stations, uh, some of the airfields that were critical early uh, in the campaign like uh, Galena and then uh, sites along the uh, former dew line. So and, uh, that if we were invaded, those things would be protected, right? Correct. Yeah, those oh, were yeah. determined to be the critical facilities, and they were using uh, soldiers from Alaska to uh, to to uh, defend those. Um, when the Cold War ended, uh, the units kind of were restructured and formed around the uh, the uh, environment or uh, of the uh, areas that they were in. In uh, in Juneau, uh, we ended up with a. Uh, a watercraft section, uh, an engineer platoon, uh, an aviation uh, section, as well as uh, infantry soldiers. And so we had the capability of uh, moving throughout southeast Alaska by air or by sea uh, to uh, do either state missions or uh, defend some critical sites that were identified here in southeast Alaska. Um, when the... Uh, um, Mideast started to flare up then the focus uh, became more towards um, more traditional type units uh, because the the type of units that we had in Alaska couldn't really fit into the uh, to the strategic scheme of the uh, overall military because they were all from different communities well they they, well, we just, were, they, they were just non-standard they had non-standard yeah, equipment. We, we were an oddball we, yeah. we, we were oddball for the sense that it was really good for Alaska so when Fred was saying we had a marine section an aviation section and an engineer section you won't find that typically in an infantry right. battalion anywhere in the, the army system but that's entirely necessary for here though. Well, for here yeah, yeah it, was, it, was, it, worked, it worked great here <laughs> the uh, the logistic structure of the army is you know is set up to take a standard unit like and, a, like and a that Lego has block. standard needs and they just they just plug that stuff in and uh, when you get something weird like what we were we didn't fit in, so uh, um, there's the signals. There's the engineer. What, waterborne. We had landing craft. we had six. We had landing craft. Yeah, we had six eighty foot landing craft, and we actually used those over in Tenneke when they had uh, the uh, the big storm in eight. I believe it was eighty six, and that destroyed a lot of the uh, the uh, community. We we sent our engineer platoon and we sent our uh, watercraft section uh, to Tenneke to help rebuild the community. Uh, another uh, project that we did that combined the the uh, assets that we had was we rebuilt the uh, tramway down at Oliver's Inlet, 
and we used uh, the watercraft to move the rail and the ties and everything and all the materials to the site then we used our helicopters to uh, move the the equipment uh, the material to the actual point it was going to be used and our engineer platoon actually rebuilt a mile and a half or so of uh, railroad in there it was you know we did a lot of non-standard stuff but it was uh, and, and it, it was directed at the community uh, but it also trained the soldiers to do their to do their mission so it was good for everybody and just a little nostalgia fred was uh the s3 at the time so he was like the guy that was in charge of all the planning and the operations and making sure that metal and that rail got there and i was a fresh lieutenant building it and uh the Oliver Inlet Tramway was not straight, and there was the state law and the federal law that we had to keep it in the right of way. So when the guys built it back, you know, when they originally built it out of old mixed rail from the mining claims that they had scavenged and, and used. <laughs> yeah, this was the old this was the old tramway. We had to kind of keep some of these bends and rolls in it rather than straighten it out and make it nice. I mean, we did a good job, but uh, it was it was a it was a fun project, but that project could not have got done like Fred was saying without that marine section and that aviation section to support yeah, that. So we were we were specifically designed to operate in southeast Alaska. And uh, and after uh, after the uh, Mideast uh, came uh, to be, um, they, the Army wanted traditional or standard units, so we, we ended up being a, a round-out unit to an active Army brigade out of Fort Richardson, which meant that if, we were, if they were mobilized, we went with them. Okay. Um, and then that concept changed to where we uh, uh, would deploy as a... Uh, uh, element or part of another uh, another unit possibly from another state um and now I, 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 I would just add on that that uh it's still we, we we retained our little bit of uniqueness even when we were the round out battalion because we had uh airborne platoon in juno i i see so it wasn't like the alaska group it was the uh, alaska what would that be company or yeah we were a battalion that was battalion. a round out for an infantry brigade mm. and that infantry brigade wanted some soldiers to be airborne so there was a company of our battalion that was airborne so we had you know anchorage was the majority of it but we had about 15 soldiers in juno we even did the first jump in juno at the boy scout camp it was the last too because there was stumps and deadwood and you know it was it was not the greatest uh, drop zone but nonetheless uh we made it work yeah. so so uh i guess to, to kind of round this out um the uh, uh the, the national to, guard today is yeah. is a real viable and necessary part of the of the active army component you know our units here from Alaska and from Juneau have uh, deployed to Bosnia and Serbia, a uh, peacekeeping uh, mission. They've uh, uh, been in Iraq, Kuwait, um, Afghanistan. Uh, they've uh, done some uh, drug stuff, uh, drug uh, in Colombia. Um, Interdiction? Or? Drug, well, flying helicopters, moving, uh, you know, going in and I think probably collecting the crops. Mm-hmm. Uh, I you know, assisting the Colombian government. <clears throat> They've done uh, uh, the state level has uh, sent uh, their medical unit uh, to uh, Africa, African countries. Um, they, you know, we we actually uh, uh, are being used now as a uh, an actual uh, partner to the uh, active army. You know, where it used to be kind of a stepchild arrangement. 
um, they're the soldiers are highly trained and uh, um, and uh, pretty effective and well respected. And then each state has like a country that they work with that is friendly to the U.S. and ours is Mongolia. So we've Mongolia. had so yeah. We've had soldiers deploy and uh, work with the Mongolian army, which is uniquely situated between Russia and China, but is a very strong ally of the United States. We just can't seem to get away from Russia. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) But, you know, the Mongolians, the Mongolians, uh, when the the Mongolians were serving in Iraq, uh, you know, I I was talking to the chief of defense of the Mongolian army. He says, you know, you, you, you Americans beat us. And I said, what are you talking about? He says, it took us an extra two days to get to Baghdad it only took you six so they have a long history of you know but they 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 uh, they work well with with Alaska and, and we have soldiers for medical and other things that periodically are, are sent over there to train with with their army so that relationship and that uniqueness kind of continues today with Alaska I believe we saw the guard deployed during some of these natural disaster events we've seen in the state as well. So they respond to that too, huh? Yes. Absolutely. The the governor can use us. He becomes he is the state commander in chief. And so the guard is different than the army that the state governor can call out for emergencies of any kind, you know. And fires are a big one, floods are a big one, earthquakes are another. And so our guard, if there's an earthquake or there's a major fire, there's a flood, you can bet that there's guard soldiers being deployed and activated for those state emergencies. Very good. And tell us a little bit about uh, American Legion Post 25. American Legion Post 25 uh, started in the 50s. Uniquely, a lot of the founding members were from the 208th that uh, Fred had mentioned earlier. And uh, our post home, I believe, came from Douglas and was actually hauled out across the bridge and all the way out to Auk Bay, which was near the end of the road at the time. Um, And uh, that has been our post home uh, since the 50s. uh, Auk Bay Post 25 was before the CBJ was a borough. Auk Bay was still considered its own community. And, um, you know, it's been the historical home for, you know, that post over the years. Um, and it's got a lot of history. It's been fixed up as of late. We try to keep it in good repair. Um, and, uh, you know, we meet the second Tuesday of every month. And any veteran or anybody that's interested in joining, you know, come out there we usually have a dinner at six uh just to shoot the the breeze and to have some fun and then we have a a short meeting at seven o'clock on the second tuesday of every month and it's just a good way for camaraderie for people to get around uh and and share stories and things with people that have might have had like services or or like uh, uh you know activities when they were active for this for this year's National Guard Day, though, we've got this dinner. So for those interested, uh, why don't you share those details one more time? Yeah, it's going to be Friday night uh, down at the Yacht Club. Doors open at 430 uh, for socializing and snacks. And then from 1730 to 2030, which is uh, 530 to 830, we're going to be serving dinner. 
and uh, you know it's it's free to veterans and their families uh, all services are invited you didn't have to be in the National Guard we love our Coast Guard brothers uh, our Air Force brothers or Navy brothers and uh, you know come on and Marines and, and, and Army as well so and we even put a little insignia on the poster this year for Space Force but I haven't met a Space Force soldier yet and I look forward to that day uh, but uh, you know we got a great bunch of sponsors you know Gold Belt Coral Alaska, Mendenhall Auto Center, Sea Alaska. You know, of course, this radio station always supports uh, veterans. Juno Hydropower, Holland America Line, you know, Heckla, Greens Creek, Alaska Airlines, Alaskan Brewing Company has always supported. They've even sent beers down when uh, folks were going on deployments and they would graduate from their. Uh, graduation before they were sent overseas it was interesting to see that alaska brewing would sometimes send down beer for the party at their expense which was very expensive to ship but it was a very nice touch you know and then we have alaska marine lines first bank and, and it's the little things yeah it's the little things that count and there's little things that you remember mm-hmm. you know and and like foodland iga is helping out this year and they're doing a nice cake for us and helping us get the meat uh cut up and things so we're we're really proud to have uh a great supporting uh, bunch of uh, folks. Uh, I think I mentioned First Bank too. They uh, uh, they've always done a, a Vietnam veterans table uh, for us. Uh, you know during 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 certain months of the year, and yeah, we've we've got a great bunch of Juno veterans supporting businesses. Well, is there anything either of you would like to briefly add before I close out today? Oh, I really don't have anything. Just. Uh, um Invite all of the veterans in Juneau to come out and see what we do out at the post uh, at our meetings the second Tuesday of every month at 7 o'clock. Feel free to drop in and uh, uh, we can get you signed right up on the spot. Yeah, and I would just say this dinner that we're served, it's not your hot dog and hamburger fare. There will be steaks and good chicken and, and good refreshments. Oh, so no chili? No, no <laughs> chili. This time. We do a chili feed, though. But that's not for the Veterans Appreciation Dinner. Gotcha. Man. Yeah. All right. Thanks, well, Kevin. Th- thank you, Duff. Uh, and thank you for sharing the history today, Fred. Sure. And uh, thank you for listening. So, This is Kevin Allen for Action Line signing off. Have a good one.